0: It's a series on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, or specifically the nine characteristics that make up the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we'll begin reading at verse 19. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. If you're there, say, I've got it. If you're not there yet, say, Hold up, Chris. Hold up, Chris. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen. Galatians five 19. Let's read. Verse 19 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you still speak to us. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we see here is the Apostle Paul is sharing with us two contrasting lifestyles. Two contrasting lifestyles. Verse 19, he, he, he starts off by talking about the, the acts of the flesh, or another translation says the works of the flesh. And he says, those are obvious. And he begins to go down, not this exhaustive list, but gives us a, a, a good uh, indication of what the acts of the flesh are. And he begins to list out sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, and so on and so forth. And he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And he says that these are obvious because these are things that we can easily relate to. The Bible says that we have a sinful nature. And it's because of our sinful nature that these works of the flesh or the acts of the flesh are are easy for us to relate to. They're obvious to us. We are familiar with what he listed. In, in, In actuality, because of our sinful nature, it's easy for us to gravitate towards sexual immorality. It's easier for us to gravitate towards impurity. It's easier for us to gravitate towards a jealousy and hatred. Why? Because we were born with a sinful nature. And he says these are the acts of the flesh, which are obvious to us. And then he goes on to give us a warning. He says, I'll warn you like I did before. Those who live according to this lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what Paul is saying is, if you, if you live by those standards, then you're not a part of the family of God, these works of the flesh. But then Paul goes on to say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, patience. He begins to list out the fruit of the Spirit. And what Paul is giving us here is he's giving us these nine characteristics in the life of a Christian. He calls him the fruit of the spirit. Now, what's interesting about fruit is fruit is something that is produced in us. When you become born again, when you begin a relationship with Jesus, there is the, there's this seed that is planted on the inside of you. This this fruit seed and it's this fruit seed that over time and over getting watered and, and taken care of and nurtured, that this fruit seed will begin to grow. And we now know that as the fruit of the Spirit. And so if anybody were to ever ask you, well, well, what does a Christian look like? What does a follower of Jesus look like? Well, Paul gives it to us. He gives us these nine characteristics of the life of a believer, which he calls the fruit of the Spirit. And so my question to you this morning is, are you full of the Spirit? Are you full of the Spirit of God? Now I know I need to clarify because some people may have different interpretations of what it means to be full of the Spirit. Uh, some people think being full of the Spirit is uh, I'm just somebody who speaks in tongues all the time or I'm just somebody who prophesies all the time or, or, or man miracles happen around me. So that means I am full of the Spirit. But I don't believe that. I believe there's a clear indication of what it truly means to be full of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, what we now know as the fruit of the Spirit. Let me better illustrate this. Um, let me grab this here. I should have grabbed this earlier. So I have here two bottles of water. Now I'm going to illustrate a little bit of what I, what I determine or what I believe to be uh, uh, being full of the Spirit and what that looks like for us. Um, how many of you would agree that, that this is not a full bottle? How many of you here would agree? Can, can you see it? Th- this is not a full bottle, right? This is already an open bottle. Been drinking from this already. This is not a full bottle of water. Now, let me ask you a question. This is an unopened bottle of water. How many of you would agree that this is a full bottle of water? I disagree. It's not a full bottle of water because you can, if you look closely, you'll recognize there's a few inches here of air here. So, technically, this is not a full bottle of water. Do we agree? It's not full, technically. Okay, so what makes a full bottle? How do we know it is a full bottle? Um, Vitor, can you come up here for a second? You can stand right here. Can you open this bottle for me? All right, can you open this bottle for me? I'll hold this one. Okay, hold, hold that bottle out, okay. So we agree this this is not a full bottle of water. And we said that this unopened bottle, which is now open, uh, we thought was a full bottle, but it's not really full because there's a few uh, 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 inches of space there. And so, Vitor, what I what I want you to do is I, I want you to slowly pour this water into this bottle here to the very top, just to the very top. Careful now. There's a lot of people watching you. Right. Okay, A little bit more, a little bit more. A little bit more. There we go. All right, right there, right there. All right. Now, how many of you would say this is a full bottle of water? More people raise their hand, right? I still disagree. I don't believe this is a full bottle of water because if you look really, really close, if you want to get really technical, there's still a small gap there. It's not a full bottle of water. So now, Vitor, just keep pouring. Keep pouring. Just pour. Just pour. Just pour. Keep pouring. Keep keep pouring. Okay, how many now would say this is a full bottle of water? Why? Because the fullness is measured in its overflow. There's no question that this is a full bottle of water. Why? Because it was overflowing. The substance that was on the inside of it was was pouring out of it. It was overflowing. And anything that overflows doesn't just impact what's on the inside. It impacts what's around it. It impacts the environment around it. It impacts the people around it. And so when you say you are full of the spirit of God, my question is, are you overflowing with the spirit of God? Because if you are overflowing with the spirit of God, you are overflowing with the spirit, you are full of the spirit. That means you have an overflow of the fruit of the spirit, which means if you are full of the spirit, there is an overflow of love coming on the inside of you. If you are full of the spirit, there is an overflow of joy coming off of the inside of you. If you are full of the Spirit, there's an overflow of peace coming out from the inside of you. And it doesn't just impact your life, it impacts the lives of those around you. So now we know what it means to be full of the Spirit. And so my question to you this morning is, are you full of the Spirit of God? Is there an overflow of something? You can take those for me, just don't don't spill it, man, be careful. Are you full of the Spirit of God? Is there an overflow? Because remember, something that is full is measured in its overflow. And if you're full of the Spirit of God, then there should be an overflow of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness coming from the inside of you. So when Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he's talking about the characteristics in the life of a Christian in the life of a Christ follower. And so what I want to do over the next few weeks is I want to begin to uh, identify these individual characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit in the hope that as you look at these characteristics, in the hope as you identify what the fruit of the Spirit of God is, that you would say yes, yes, This is on the inside of me. Yes, not only is it on the inside of me, but it is also overflowing from me. And so we begin by reading about the first fruit of the Spirit that is mentioned in Galatians 5, which is love. Say love. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. The Bible talks about a religious expert that comes up to Jesus and he has a question for Jesus, not because he's really interested, but he wants to trip up Jesus. And so in Matthew 22, this religious expert comes up to Jesus and he says, in verse 36, he says, "'Teacher, which which is the greatest commandment in the law?' Jesus replied, "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart "'and with all your soul and with all your mind.'" This is the first and greatest commandment, verse 39. And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying that the greatest commandment in the Bible, what's most important to God is love. That you love God with all your being. And second, that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's pretty deep, right? This religious expert comes to Jesus thinking he's, he's going to trip him up and thinking he's going get to get one over on Jesus. And Jesus says, no, the greatest commandment is that you love God and love people. That's what's most important to God, is that you love him and that you love others. Love, love, love. Say love. That's deep. That's deep. May not be deep off other people's standards, but that's deep to me. See, there will be people that would argue and say that, 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 that I'm not a deep pastor, right? You just don't go deep enough. Like, give me the Greek. Give me the Hebrew. Give me, I want it all. Like, I need you. I only got 35 minutes. I got 35 minutes. And if I tell you Greek and Hebrew, that's just me trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress you and show you how smart I am. But that's not deep to me. You want to know what deep is? Love God and love people. When people look at Arise Church, I I don't want them to look at Arise Church as, as a deep church because, man, they just go deep into the word, man. They're just so knowledgeable of the word of God, man. They're just so, man, I don't want to be known for our knowledge. I want them to look at Arise Church and say, man, they they are the church that loves people, man. They love people. I want to be a church that is known for our love. I don't want to be known for our buildings. I don't want to be known for our programs. I don't want to be known for our music. … I don't want to be known for the preaching. I want to know that they are a church that loves God and they love each other. I want them to look at Arise Church and say, man anybody is welcome to be in that church. Anybody is welcome to walk into that church. Why? Because they love people. That's deep to me. To love God and to love people, that's important to God. And when they write about Arise Church in the history books, all I'd want them to say is, man, that's a church that loved God and loved people. They loved unconditionally. They welcomed everybody. Anybody could have gone to a rise church. Why? Because of our love. Remember, to be full of the Spirit, the fullness is measured in its overflow. Does love overflow out of this church? Does love overflow out of your life? To love God and to love people. But like any type of fruit, has anybody here ever planted a fruit tree before? Anybody? So, so y'all, y'all know this. I, I'm out of my league here, so I don't know, know a lot about planting fruit trees. But, 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 but my mother-in-law has a green thumb. My mother-in-law, she, she loves gardening. She loves planting things and uh, she loves planting trees. Sometimes she plants trees in the weirdest places, but she likes planting trees. Specifically, she likes planting fruit trees. Uh, A few years ago, uh, she had planted in our backyard. It's a pear tree in our backyard. And uh, I'd never seen a pear tree before. I didn't really know what a pear tree really looked like. And so uh, one day I remember going outside and noticing these these small green things growing on the tree. And I didn't even know it was a, fruit, a pear tree until till Nancy told me. She said, no, my mom planted that pear tree some years ago. I thought, like, well, that's pretty cool. A pear. We got a pear tree in our backyard. <laughs> and so a few weeks, a few months passed by. And I come home one day, and I look at the pear tree, and I notice that there's foil all inside the pear tree. There's pieces of foil just cut off all inside the pear tree. And I t- told Nancy, I said, um, "Why is there trash all inside our pear tree?" <laughs> and Nancy said, "Well, my mom put that there because of the birds and the squirrels." I said, "The birds and the squirrels?" She's like, "Yeah, they come and eat off this pear tree." And lo and behold, one afternoon, I'm in the backyard. I see a squirrel run up the pear tree, snatch a pear off the branch, take two bites and throw it on the ground. Runs to another pear, takes two bites, throws it on the ground. I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, wait, what are you doing? So I scared it off, right? And she said, no, she she does that because it's supposed to scare off these birds and the pears, these birds and the squirrels, because if they see the reflection, they'll they'll, they'll run off. And so I, I thought, man, there's a lot of work to take care of a fruit tree. And it's the same in our own life when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. As I said earlier, the fruit of the Spirit is produced. It's produced out of us. It's produced on the inside of us because through the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the same way that you have to protect a a, a fruit tree from from anything that would try to destroy it and try to bring it down and try to uh, 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 eat off of it, and to keep the fruit from growing, it's the same way in our own lives, specifically when it comes to love. There are many hindrances in our lives in regards to love. One of the hindrances or one of the the, the enemies of the fruit in our lives when it comes to love is our own self-centeredness. Our own selfishness. Remember, I said at the beginning of the message that we were born with a sinful nature. And so it's, it's easy for us to gravitate towards selfishness. Why? Because we, 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 we want to we're takers by nature. We want to know what this is going to do for me. I want to know how this is going to benefit me. I want to know what I'm going to get out of it. And so our, our selfishness, our self-centeredness becomes an enemy of our own fruit. But the Bible says in uh, Philippians 2, 3, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so we see that our own selfishness can be a hindrance to our fruit, to our love. Another hindrance that we face when it comes to love is bitterness. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I remind us pretty frequently that you have an enemy. I have an enemy. The devil hates us, right? He hates you because you love God. He hates you because you're trying to live for God. And so the devil would love nothing more than to uproot and to destroy the fruit of love out of your life. And he does that through bitterness, He does that through bitterness. He he, he wants us to be hurt. He wants us to be wounded. He wants us uh, to feel rejection. He wants us to to experience unforgiveness. He desires that for us. Why? Because he knows out of that bitterness can come out from the inside of us. And bitterness can strangle love out of our lives. Bitterness can make it hard for you to love people. Bitterness can make it hard for you to love God. But we have to guard against our selfishness. we got to guard against our bitterness. Why? So that the fruit of love can be produced on the inside of us. Hebrews 2.15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Our selfishness, our bitterness can hinder the fruit of love to grow on the inside of us. But another hindrance that we we all face, not only through our selfishness, not only through our bitterness, but also our own lust. See, lust is a perversion of love. Lust causes us to, 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 to fall for facades and and fraudulent things. That's why pornography is so detrimental to our culture and our society. Because it keeps us from having to experience real love, it keeps us from having to experience true intimacy and true relationship, because it feeds our lust. And when that feeds our lust, it, 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 it hinders the, 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 the love fruit to grow in our lives. And so just like my mother-in-law had to be proactive in the fruit tree and the pear tree to keep the birds and the squirrels off of that tree, we have to be proactive when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We've got to identify the selfishness. We've got to identify the bitterness. We've got to identify the lust uh, 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 enemies that, 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 that try to, to, to hinder and, and, and choke out the, the fruit of the spirit in our lives. That we may love. Mark seven twenty one says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, That evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. And So we see these hindrances to this love fruit of the Spirit. That's what makes it difficult for love to overflow from the inside of us. That's what makes it difficult to have that characteristic of love in the life of a believer because we have certain things in our lives that are, that are choking out that fruit seed. But I believe this morning that God wants to bring healing to your hearts. I believe God wants to do some bypass surgery on your heart. And God wants you to experience what true love is. You see it's hard for us to give out love when we've never truly experienced real love and the only real love that we can ever be exposed to is the love of the father father god but i think the problem for a lot of us is is that we use the word love too loosely like we say we love a lot of things like we say man i love tacos i love football i love sports i love my wife i love god not in that order not in that order but you know what i'm saying we use love just too loosely we say we love things too much but if we truly understood what real love is if we truly understood the love of the father if we truly understood the love that we've been given the love that we've been shown then we get a better understanding of what it is to have the fruit of the spirit of love overflow and come out from the inside of us. We would truly know what it is to love God with all of our being and to love people as we love ourselves. We'll know true love. And if we can take it a step further, true love is the mark of a true believer. True love is the mark that you are truly a Christ follower. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, and by this, by what? By our love. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you catch that? People will know you are following Jesus by how you love one another. People will know that you are a Christ follower by the love that overflows out of your life. That's how they'll know you're my disciples. It's through your love. And so two things I want to give you before I close out of here today in regards to love and two things I want you to take with you, two things I want you to kind of run with, but uh, these are simple things for us uh, to walk away from uh, today. The first is this. The first thing we need to know about love is this, is that love is an action. Say action. Love is an action. 1 John three eighteen says, dear, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions, and in truth. See, it's not enough for you just to say you love people. You need to show you love people. My wife will not be satisfied with just me telling her I love her. My wife needs to see it. My love for her needs to be shown. It's the same way within the church. It's not enough for us just to declare our love for Jesus. It's not a love, uh, enough for us just to declare our love for those that are in the world. But if we have to show it. We have to live it out. Love is an action. The problem is we have too many people just sitting and learning and receiving but not getting up and giving. See, the, the only way that Arise Church is gonna be known as a church that loves people is if we just stop sitting and receiving all the time, but we actually get up and start moving in an action. Love is an action. It's beyond words, it's beyond just what we say. It's beyond just verbal communication, it is an action, say love is an action. The second thing we need to know about love is this, is that love is also a choice. Love is also a choice. You choose to love. Did you know that? You also choose not to love. You choose to love. Colossians 3.14 says, over all these virtues, Put on love, right? Put on love. There is, a, there is a, a, an action that we have to do. There's, the love is something we have to put on. You have a choice to love. Love is beyond just a feeling. Loving is loving people even when you don't feel like it. Love is beyond... Just a feeling. Love is when you don't feel like loving others. The greatest expression of love is even loving the unlovable. Love is beyond a feeling, love is a choice. You choose to love, you choose not to love. Love is getting up in the middle of the night with a sick child. You don't necessarily want to get up with a sick child but you choose to get up for a sick child. Why? Out of love. Love is being patient with your spouse when your spouse is being very difficult. So, Don't nudge people. But it's a choice. I choose to love my wife today. I choose to love my husband today, even when they're unlovable right now. Even when they get on your nerves. Even when they're being difficult. I choose to love them. Love is a choice. You choose to love, you choose not to love. But all this can only happen when we know what real love is. We can truly let love be an action. We can truly let love be a choice when we've experienced what true love is. Loving the unlovable. See, this is what Jesus did towards us. We were very unlovable. And yet Jesus loves us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to become lovable. Jesus didn't wait for us to get it right. Jesus didn't wait for us to get pure. Jesus didn't wait for us to give up drinking. Jesus didn't wait for you to give up your drugs. Jesus didn't wait for you to give up your pornography. Jesus didn't wait for you to stop hating people. Jesus loved you right in the middle of all your mess. He loved the unlovable. That, my friend, is experiencing real love. Loving people, not expecting anything in return. That's the love of the Father. That's the love of Jesus towards us. And until we truly experience that and understand that, we don't have real love to give. We'll be too busy thinking love is a feeling. Well, I don't feel like loving this person, so I just won't. There's nothing I can get out of this relationship, so I choose not to invest in it. I choose not to love that person because they're not going to do anything for me. But love is a choice. Ephesians 3.17 says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. My hope for us this morning is that we come to an understanding of the love of Jesus for you. Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. The hope is that the love that's on the inside of us will overflow out to those around us. It's a characteristic of a follower of Jesus. Jesus said, the world will know you're my disciples. Why? By how you love one another. That's love. I believe one of the great ways that we are reminded of our love for Jesus is when we think about the sacrifice and we think about the cross and we think about him giving up his life for us, that's real love.